Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. This is episode 19. I am Dr. Hillary Lampers here with Ryan Lampers. We have a pretty exciting guest today, Dr. Jade Tita. He's going to be talking all things man, testosterone, and brotherhood. But before we get on with him, I wanted to give a few announcements. In the podcast, he is going to be talking about his testosterone program. It's an online do-it-yourself program for naturally enhancing your testosterone. It also has information on testosterone replacement therapy and how you would go about that, understanding your biochemistry and how testosterone works in your body. And we wanted to give you the link to that program. If you'd like to get it yourself, you can, doing it in the convenience of your own home. And that link is huntharvesthealth.com slash programs slash testosterone. Secondly, if you want the show notes for this podcast, you can go to huntharvesthealth.com slash podcast slash Jade Tita One. So our last announcement before we uh, start talking with Dr. Jade is I wanted to offer to the Hunt Harvest Health community uh, the option to meet with me either in my office or via the internet uh, for health consulting. One of the biggest questions and emails that we get since starting the Hunt Harvest Health podcast is health-related questions, nutrition-related questions, labs, uh, things like hormones that we're going to talk about today, and basically just natural ways to improve your lifestyle and your vitality. So I have added a page to the Hunt Harvest Health website for medical and health consulting. You can go there and if you are interested in possibly meeting with me and working on some of your healthcare questions, you can fill in the form that's on that page via email and uh, you can also call our office, the phone number's there, but if you want to fill that email in, it will come to us and then we can send you all the details that you would need to meet with me if you wanted to do that. So that's the last uh, announcement. And it kind of goes along with our podcast today. Uh, If you do feel that you need help with your hormones, if you feel that your testosterone is low and uh, you just have questions regarding maybe some labs you've had in the past or you wanted to get new labs done, obviously this always depends on where you live, but this may be an avenue for you to do some of that. So check that out on our huntharvesthealth.com slash medical consults page. All right, enough said. Let's get into this podcast. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. I'm Dr. Hillary Lampers here with Ryan Lampers, of course. And today we have a very exciting guest that is going to keep you interested and wanting more for sure. His name's Dr. Jade Tita, and he's really a legend in the natural health performance and personal growth arena. I consider him a colleague. I consider him a mentor and definitely family. And I feel that exposing him to our community is going to do so much good change that um, it's really exciting for Ryan and I. So just a little bit of background on Jade. Uh, He has a Bachelor's of Science in Biochemistry and a Doctorate in Naturopathic Medicine. He's an NSCA Strength and Conditioning Specialist and an American College of Science Medicine Instructor. 
He's co-creator of Metabolic Effect with his brother, Dr. Keone Tita, and it's a comprehensive platform for addressing metabolic health. They have written two revolutionary books on weight loss. The first one was The Metabolic Effect Diet, and the second is Lose Weight Here. Besides having worked with over 10,000 clients, he has created online programs that have helped hundreds of thousands of people to transform their health and mindset. Today, he will be introducing one of those programs, his new testosterone replacement therapy program on this platform, and we will be diving deep into all things man today. So, Jade, are you there? What's up? Hey. (laughs) Ryan, Hillary, love you guys. How are you? Oh, good. How are you doing this morning, Jade? Doing good, man. Doing good. Excited about this. And thank you for that, Hillary. That's so sweet, that intro. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. I could have kept going on, but it was like... Yeah, you got quite the resume, man. It's <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys as well. I love the stuff you're doing. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, well, we we feel that you are going to be a great guest for our, our community. Um, the Hunt Harvest Health community is a great group of outdoorsmen, outdoor women, uh, people who are just looking at at their lifestyle and, and, you know, and longevity. And not only that, looking at how to improve their body, but improve kind of their mindset. And I felt that you'd be a great person to talk to because really the foundation of that and what we see with a lot of people that are sending us um, feedback is they just want more information on kind of the foundational aspects of health a big one is metabolism and weight loss, um, which, you know, we know is a big issue in, in today's world. Incorporating that along with having to deal with the stress of life, right? Like yeah, yeah. family and jobs and relationships. And Why don't you give us a little bit of background on yourself and kind of some of your philosophy and uh, we'll go from there. The best way to think about me, I think, is probably probably as a meathead philosopher. And, and what I mean by that is I am a uh, you know hardcore fitness dude, grew up in the world of powerlifting and bodybuilding and was basically a, a dumb jock for a lot of years and then you know started to pick up books and read and just uh, started to realize I could build my brain the same way, you know, I build my body. And that kind of parlayed into a biochem background, that parlayed into uh, going to natural me- uh, natural medicine and uh, going to medical school for that, where Hillary and I shared the same alma mater, Bastyr University. And ultimately what I do now is um, I really am all about helping people, you know, sort of reconnect to their mind, uh, their muscle, and their metabolism is the way I like to say it. To me, these things are oftentimes seen as different. And I think anyone in the in the hunting world, and you guys can jump into this and sort of let me know if this is true, but the, one of the things that I think is that hunting, being outdoors, being connected to nature in that way, um, really connects us to mind, muscle, and metabolism like nothing else. Uh, it is sort of a back to, um, you know, our uh, evolutionary state in the purest sense. And so for me, I gravitate towards, you know, this idea that we humans are, modern day Westerners are kind of, we're kind of lost, you know, we're kind of uh, starved for meaning. We don't have a whole lot of thing that connects us back into our, our purpose and what we actually are doing on this planet to begin with. And so that is my uh, sort of goal set now to help people 
um, be the best they can be in all those realms. And I, one of the things I was excited about being here is to talk about this idea that uh, we are not really meant to see these things as separate. You know, our mindset and our physiology, they really are built uh, to uh, be honed uh, together. So let me give you an example of this to you know, kind of see what Ryan kind of thinks about this. But in my way of, of thinking about this is that when someone is out in the wilderness, someone is out uh, on the hunt, someone, you know, you're you are essentially um, priming your entire physiology and your, your mental state and essentially for survival. And there's something about that that uh, hones your mindfulness and hones your ability to think and hones your physical stamina and hones your strength. And this is kind of how we humans evolved. This is how we got smarter. This is how we got faster. This is how we got stronger. And all of this is sort of, to me, tied into what I teach, which is why this is an exciting topic for me. But that gives you a little bit of a background uh, of me. I kind of came at this first from the physical perspective, building my body. And that kind of uh, brought me into then sort of uh, building my mindset. And uh, I've actually come to the point where I don't see them as separate at all. That's the biggest thing we feel when we are interacting with people. And, and I know just watching Ryan, his whole process of going out hunting is not just a physical, it really the physical piece of it is really important because you need a lot of stamina, but uh, most of it, like 80% of it's mental. And people wonder, like, how does he do this every year? How is he so successful? How can he go out by himself for two weeks, right, not talk to anybody and have that? He has he just learned that in that process, he's building that connection between his mind and his body. Mm-hmm. And that time alone, which we don't think is important anymore, we are all so consumed with being, you know, like our phones and just being around stimulus all the time. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, you know, like Jade said, I think a lot of people have kind of lost their way. Um, They've kind of just, you know, maybe grown up in an urban environment and they haven't had opportunity or just seen the light, I guess. They haven't seen what you get out of being out there, whether you're by yourself or with a buddy or, or just out in nature, you know, you get so much out of it. For me, I get I just, I just relax more. I mean, as soon as I get away from the buzz of the city and the traffic and work and all that, it's just such a good feeling. Um, your energy levels go up, you know, I'm not so frustrated. Uh, I, I've dropped kind of the, the working mindset where I'm, I'm always thinking about work, always stressing out. Um, it, it is a place that I think we're more naturally fit into is, you know, in the backcountry or, or just out in nature, or, you know, hunting, um, I, I get I get a ton out of it, and uh, and I always come back a lot better person for it, for sure. You know, it's interesting about that too, you guys, is that you know from the biochemical standpoint, uh, just what you said, it's sort of like there's this badass factor in, in this regard that allows you to build your body, but at the same time, one of the things that we know is that, um, well, let's take testosterone for example, because everyone, you know, and especially guys, are kind of a there's an epidemic pandemic of low testosterone now. And one of the things we look at with testosterone is we look at the ability to raise our testosterone levels while simultaneously reducing our stress hormone levels, specifically cortisol. And there's there's something about uh, I call testosterone sort of a posturing hormone because it's basically this hormone that when you're out and about, whether if you stand up straight, 
If you, uh, you know, have better posture, your uh, testosterone goes up. If you go out and, uh, you know, pick something up, your testosterone goes, goes up. If you go out into a survival type of experience, even if you're just watching it on TV, guess what happens? Your testosterone levels go up, even if you're just watching it, right? And so there's something about uh, this effect that will raise testosterone levels and simultaneously reduce uh, cortisol levels. And this is uh, where some of the most magic things can happen. Now, we try to rep- we try to do this naturally in our world. Like, for example, I go out and lift weights, you know, in, you know, to CrossFit or something like that to get this testosterone-like effect. And then I go to the park and go for a walk in a green setting to lower cortisol. Well, when you're going out into the wilderness in this way and you're climbing up mountains and you're shifting over stuff and you have this big pack on your back and you're chasing down deer or uh, confronting wildlife and that kind of stuff, you're basically having this effect that we're trying to reproduce in the urban setting. And so one of the things I would say is, isn't it really interesting that certainly if a hunter goes and does some CrossFit and does some hiking in the city within a park, they're going to be able to use that same hormonal milieu, that same testosterone cortisol effect, but they're actually getting it when they go out into the wilderness as well. And so one of the things that I think is uh, pretty amazing is that we look at this lifestyle and basically say, okay, when I'm out, when, when you're out, Ryan, in the wilderness, I mean, essentially you're getting this effect, but then how do we duplicate this um, when we're at home as well so that we don't have the the lowering of these uh, this hormonal effect as well through you know basically going home I go hunt on the weekend then I go sit in a chair for eight hours for two weeks and then I go hunt again maybe some other time you know this is this to me is sort of how do we take people who aren't uh, doing this and make it last throughout the month and how do we use sort of these excursions to our advantage hormonally um, this to me is a fascinating uh, sort of a concept to me because the way we humans evolved was very much in this cyclical type of approach. I mean, most hunter-gatherer tribes, if you look at them, they are essentially waking up early in the day and basically going on the hunt for most of the day, sometimes covering 12 to 20 miles in a day, oftentimes carrying gear with them and then hauling things back to camp so they can eat. And this creates this very lean, fit, healthy, primed brain and body. And so we can use this sort of a model of what it's like to be out and about in the wilderness and kind of bring it back home uh, for the hunter who doesn't get to be out there all the time or for someone like Ryan, uh, who is actually competing on this level. Because uh, you said it, Hillary, as we were talking prior to um, getting on. And, and from my perspective, uh, these guys and girls are very much uh, athletes. And so now it comes into a discussion of how do we prime their performance when they're at home before they go out? You know what I mean? So I would just be interested to kind of hear your guys' take on that because that's the way I really see it. It's a very natural, back-to-basics way of living that uh, you know can have profound impact on mental and emotional and physical health. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> I think what we're seeing right now, and, and we've all kind of noticed this, I believe, uh, the hunter, you can call it a hunter-athlete, it's this kind of movement where folks are recognizing there's a huge benefit to uh, to going into the mountains and being absolutely as fit and strong and conditioned as you possibly can. And it's interesting that uh, that you mentioned that. I, I never really 
tie those two together. But uh, yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why we're doing it. We we get so much out of working out year round. You know, uh, I'll be honest. What I used to do and what I do now are completely different. Um, you know, back in the day when, you know, in my teens and early twenties, I'd go out and I'd hunt for, you know, a couple months out of the year. And I, like I mentioned, I, I felt great. You know, you just get this, <clears throat> this rush back there and you feel so good when you're back there. And then it just kind of goes away once you come out of the hills and, and, um, and then, you know, how we kind of get that back now in the off season is we, we work out, we run with, with weighted packs and we, you know, we train and we shoot and we do all these things to try to replicate what we're going to be doing in the fall to, uh, to try to, I guess, maintain that testosterone, keep those levels up. So, um, my question, what, now, why do you think, um, in today's world that we've lost so much of our testosterone? Why is that kind of an epidemic, as you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, part of what's, you know, if you ask, you know, you ask people like Hillary, you ask people like me, you ask a lot of conventional and even alternative medicine physicians, the conventional doctors will kind of throw up their arms and say, you know, we really don't know. And the alternative medicine practitioners will kind of, if they're being honest, will kind of throw up their arms as well and say, we really don't know. But at least in the alternative uh, health movement, we have some ideas. And part of what is happening is, you know, a lot of people will say, well, it's all toxins, right? Well, you know, to me, I don't like the word toxin because I, I want to know what toxin are we talking about, but certainly things like persistent organic pollutants, which are things like uh, bisphenol A and pesticide runoff and um, all these kinds of things are certainly probably having an impact. But of course, we also know that stress um, and its impact on the command and control center of our metabolism, which actually isn't the thyroid or the adrenals. It's actually the brain, the hypothalamus and pituitary, this area of the brain that is essentially our command and control center takes a huge hit. Think of our brain like a like a computer program, and it is short-circuited with stress. And so stress is probably the number one toxin uh, in the world, and it's also the number one testosterone depleter. Uh, so, you know, we constantly have this seesaw battle of stress hormones, cortisol, adrenaline against uh, sort of testosterone and human growth hormone. And so these two things are constantly battling back and forth. So when you are sleep deprived, when you are overworked and overwhelmed uh, at work, you know, and trying to make finances work and all this kind of stuff and constantly bombarded with, you know, blue lights and all this kind of stuff, you are automatically taking a hit to that command and control center. Uh, you, you go out in the wilderness, you know, and you're all of a sudden in an entirely different environment that is naturally, without you even trying, reversing all of that. Um, and so this is the reason why. And then probably the third reason or third and fourth reason is poor diet and nutrition and a lack of understanding how to move our bodies in a way that will um, produce a testosterone effect to help us get lean and faster and stronger and build more muscle. And so to me, it's this four-pronged approach. Yes, we have toxins in the environment, probably persistent organic pollutants. For those of you listening, by the way, you might say, Jake, where are these? Well, they concentrate in domesticated animals that we eat. They kind of bioaccumulate in the food chain. Uh, so these things from runoffs from plastics, chemical industry in our water, things like that, in the fat of the animals we eat, which is not going to be the case in a wild animal. Right, um, right. Uh, it's going to be less the case anyway, because we're actually messing up their environment too. But that's one thing. So we want to be careful about that. 
The next thing is stress, which we can talk an awful lot about because I know the three of us talking and we kind of understand what stress is at a little different level. But for those of you listening, stress isn't just anxiety and depression and overwhelm. Stress is, you know, things that uh, we might not uh, take into account. For example, a, you know, I know Hillary, you guys have little ones at the house, you know, a woman who's gone through pregnancy and is sitting there with their newborn, she might be elated, happy. It's a lifetime achievement. Maybe it's her first child and it's the best thing ever. Her metabolism is under extreme duress, you know, despite being happy and elated because she gave all the resources to this baby and, you know, she's living a whole different life now. She's sleep deprived, etc. That's what we need to think about stress. And then poor diet is huge. You know, a diet of refined processed foods, uh, lacking in vegetable matter and lacking in good quality, lean, clean proteins, which typically wild animals are going to be lean and clean, you know, less fat and less uh, pesticide residues hanging out in their fat that you do eat. And then there's the exercise component. And so if we're going to think about how we deal with testosterone first, and we can talk about if you guys want, we can certainly talk about TRT and things like that, testosterone replacement therapy. But none of those things work. You know, and I bet you, Hillary, you, you, I'll be interested to hear your take on this. But typically, testosterone replacement therapy is not going to work without these four things being in place, right? We have to basically have these four aspects uh, taken care of. The way we train, the way we eat, the way we manage our stress, and the way we reduce pesticides in the environment. This is really the reason why. And isn't it interesting that when we go out into the wilderness, uh, we are essentially reversing all of these things. All of these things essentially are reversed unless you're going to bring Snickers bars and cinnamon <laughs> toast crunch out into the wilderness with you and not eat what you're catching. Which is what exactly why I'm, I'm trying to get, you know, to a lot of the listeners and what I really push with, with kind of folks paying attention to us. Is uh, is yeah, we we, we kind of create our own foods and and we're not going out there and and eating junk. You know, it's it's the one time of year where we get out and we we want to have we want to continue to eat clean. You know, we eat clean all year, and uh, it'd be real easy to just toss those Snicker bars in the backpack and you know get some quick quick fix up there. But uh, but eating clean back there matters, if not more so than uh, than how we eat back here. So. For sure. You know, what's interesting about that, Ryan, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, a lot of times people talk about, you know how Hillary, in our world, everyone talks about detox, 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 like everyone should detox. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going out into the backcountry is the perfect detox. You're doing a natural detox for two weeks or however long you're back there or for a long weekend, but not if you're bringing junk food with you, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that, that just defeat, you're not, you're not getting the detox effects because you're essentially detoxing from stress, detoxing from persistent organic pollutants. And, uh, you know, basically getting nutritive food in you and working out the correct way and sweating. It's the perfect detox. Like someone needs to come up with a program that is like backcountry detox or something yeah. because it is the best <laughs> detox program you could possibly go on. I never thought well, about it like that. I guess I guess I do get my detox every year. A couple of them. Yeah, I, I have to say I've talked about this in a, in a blog I wrote is that Ryan will leave and he'll be stressed out and blah, you know, he'll go on this. He'll go on a hunt, or he'll even just go scouting, or he'll go out into the backcountry for a while. And it's the same for me. I would say since we've had children and stuff, I don't get to do that stuff as often because, you know, you can't take a one-year-old out in the backcountry for very long. He comes back. He's physically whipped. He's physically tired. But he's just calmer. You know, he's uh, happier. There's, there's 
That's, and he's always been like that. He would get antsy if he couldn't go steelhead fishing on the river by himself, you know, every so often. I'd be like, just go to the river or, like, get out of here. And he would come back and he'd be better. But I started doing more reading on this initiation from boyhood into manhood. And I think that for men, there is, uh, for women, I think it's very clear that we have, we have kind of a natural initiation into womanhood, right? Because we have menstrual cycles. And men don't really have that. No, it, it, we really no don't. you don't. But you do, you know, everybody <laughs> changes, right? Kids hit teenagers and they just get weird because your hormones start kicking in. Yeah. And, but in today's society, there's not really this initiation for a lot of men anymore into manhood. Interestingly enough, my stepdad is Native American, and he gave us a bunch of books, old, old books. I never looked at them. I had boxes of these old Native American books. I pulled, I pulled a couple out, and recently I pulled one out called Land of the Spotted Eagle, and it's by Chief Standing Bear, and he wrote it in 1933, and it was his story of his life living as a, a Sioux Indian on the plane, and he went through every stage of life, babies, boyhood, um, warrior, hunter, their whole spiritual life, how they collected food. Before the introduction of sugar that he talks about, there was really no illness. Um, people, men were lean and they were, it's like people had their purpose. Men would just, from the time they were boys, to be self-resilient, to be hunters, to be warriors. And in that, they developed a great love for nature, and they d developed a great love for the animals around them, and they developed a great love for their family. Their health was spectacular. We want to go back to a simpler way of life. We want to live like that. But that means in a lot of ways that we have to start creating these initiation type things, or we have to start from a young age with children nowadays to create that fortitude in them. Boys especially, because they don't have that natural kind of ceremony they go into, into manhood, is that a lot of them are, from the get-go, sort of being robbed of their masculinity. And I'm not yeah. saying that in a sexist way, but if yeah. you read a lot of the old texts about people who live like that, they were healthy, they were balanced, the men did these activities, the women did their activities, and they had... Difficult lives, very difficult, but nature dictated their lives, and they learned to live with that. And in that, the cycle was more natural. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm loving this. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is such a cool topic because, you know, I don't know if I told you, Ryan, this, but I spent the – James Hollis is one of the foremost experts in male health and male psychology. He's one of the last Jungian psychologists on the planet, and I got to spend – you know, basically a week with him last year, and he was talking about the healing of men. And one of the things he said is in every culture, uh, every other culture, we had an initiation period for men where they were at times taken from their family and basically sat down, put through ordeals and, you know, basically explained this is what it means to be a man. This is what it, it means to be a part of our culture. And this is what is expected of you. Now, the last remnants of that kind of thing, you know, maybe the bar mitzvah, but you know, the, the closest thing most kids nowadays have to that when a, a boy becomes a, a teenager and, you know, goes into manhood is sports. And, not you know, it's basically like, 
you get a little bit of that maybe in the hazing experience, you know, in college, which none of these things are ideal or healthy in the way that they used to be. But ultimately, <clears throat> I was uh, talking about this, Ryan, I think, you know, uh, how long it was like maybe six months ago, we were talking about this. And this, to me, gets to the heart of the healing of men. And what, what a lot of men don't understand, too, is that I gave you four reasons why testosterone might fall. Well, the other thing about testosterone, it is very, very much uh, tied to the mental state and what you think about your meaning and purpose. And so to me, it's really cool, Hillary, because I'm not surprised that you would bring this up because, you know, we kind of think alike in this holistic way, but a lot of people don't, don't connect to that. So having a purpose and having meaning behind you dramatically impacts uh, your hormonal base as well. And so to me, it's one of the things that um, as I was watching what Ryan was doing, I was like, you know, everybody could use this as well as an initiation phase into, you know, sort of uh, looking at their meaning and purpose in life. There's something about getting quiet and getting centered and being in a place that you're a little uncomfortable with, but is also sort of your birthright that gets you back honed into who am I? What am I about? And what am I going to sort of build for for my life? And that definitely goes into and and probably is the first thing we need to hone our health care. You know, one of the things I think women have as an advantage over men is that they oftentimes have girlfriends that they have a support system. It's just more part of being a woman. But for us men, and I want to hear from Ryan's point of view, because I have a guess about this, but uh, I, I want to see us men don't typically have that. We lose touch with that. You know what I mean? So, you know, you hear about Ryan, 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 right? You're going out by yourself typically, you know, and uh, there was some, typically men didn't do that. Typically men would go out with a group of men and that was sort of their, you know, sort of a way of connecting as well. And so men, not only uh, do we as men have to, you know, sort of understand what, get back in touch with our sort of warrior mentality and our purpose, uh, we also need to kind of get back in touch with, uh, you know, this idea that uh, the being around other men and sort of understanding what that's about and having that support system is important as well. But I would be interested if you feel that that loss, Ryan, as well, and how connected you are to the other hunters in your in your world, because I know for me, it's certainly something that I think about often now as I age that, you know, I've lost touch with men in my life. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> I agree. I uh, I think. You know, it's kind of weird, you know, I think I'm, there's a select few of us that are kind of an anomaly, you know, in the, the backcountry hunters, you know, we go out and we, we really enjoy just the solitude and, and being alone. And there's so many reasons why we get, you know, not every, like not every hunt I do is solo. Uh, there's hunts I enjoy, you know, hand, handful of guys going out and, you know, the social aspect of it and coming back to camp at night and sitting around the campfire and telling stories. That is that is phenomenal. I mean, I love it, um, and I do it. I, I do it as much as I can. Then um, certain hunts, I go off on my own, and I get I get advantages there as well. But you know, I think, like I mentioned, I think a lot of us, the solo guys, we're kind of an anomaly. Most guys in the hunting world, um, I would say, well over half, are going out there for that reason. They're going out there to socialize with their buddies. Um, you know, I, I probably don't do that enough, but I know a lot of guys, they'll go around and man, they set up these giant, you know, elk camps and just wall tents and tarp cities, you know, back there. And, 
And these guys, maybe they're not as successful, but what they're getting out of it is completely different. Um, I'm up there to really make sure that I, I fill my freezer and I, I stress, well, I don't, I shouldn't say stress myself out, but uh, push myself to the limit um, because that makes me happy. That just makes me feel like I've had this great sense of accomplishment. I get way more out of that than, than sitting back and, and really relaxing at a camp. I get my relaxation when I'm, I'm pushing myself, if that makes any sense. But, um, you know, a lot of guys, they do. They go up there and, and maybe they only get an animal, you know, one every 10 years, which is really the norm, you know, for elk, elk guys. But they'll get up there and, and their, their best part of their day is coming back for lunch or, or in the evening and, and sitting around with those 10, 12 other guys and just, you know, BSing and talking and telling stories and having fun. That's, that's like, I see it all the time and I drive by those guys on the way up to my trailhead. But, um, you know, some, some guys really get that. That's why they do it. And, and they get, they get these advantages, you know, in the way they do it. And, and I get some with the way I do it, but, uh, I can definitely see, uh, you know, in my world, I do not, I do not probably get enough of that. Whereas I get my interaction when I get back from the hunt and I can sit around with my buddies or my best, you know, my cousin, for example, we'll sit down, we'll talk hunting for hours and, uh, and we get a little support there. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm guilty. I don't, I definitely don't get the support or, or give the support I probably should. You know, here's, here's my theory on this as well. It's funny. I'm, I'm actually a lot like you. And I think a lot of guys, as I was listening to you talk, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Because I think a lot of guys are just like this. We're sort of like, uh, there's times in our life when we want to be like that lonely lion on the plains of Africa, you know, sort of just wandering around, figuring stuff out. And that's also equally man. You know what I mean? And so it's really interesting that we have this dichotomy because I'm the same way. I consider myself pretty much an introvert. I like, you know, uh, time alone as much as I like it with my bros. Right. Um, and I think that's the danger. I think that's ultimately what uh, I thought was interesting about what Hillary was saying, because the danger I think for us men is because we do have this sort of dichotomy and guys like I'm actually a lot like you guys like you and I, we can easily probably go into this sort of lonely state and come back and, and have difficulty um, sort of reconnecting. But I think as men, this speaks to the healing of men. We need both. We need time alone, time to sort of, you know, um, reflect and be a warrior on our own and also time in battle with our brothers, as well as time in love with our lovers. You know what I mean? And we don't get a, a, a lot of this sort of understanding of this balance. And, and again, you know, for me, I'm, I'm sort of an endocrinologist in a sense that I'm always looking at how these things are impacting our hormonal state and our health, we think they're separate. Uh, they're not. Uh, you know, one thing I thought was interesting that you were saying, Ryan, is that, and I think you guys alluded to this as well, like you come back after this and you are exhausted, you know what I mean? And you're sort of like, you know, I really worked, you know, um, incredibly hard. Like obviously, you know, killing something. This, this I don't know, and I kind of actually want to ask you about because to me, the idea of killing something like an elk in the backcountry and then having to, you know, um, get that prepared, pack it up, haul that stuff out miles is like, I can't imagine uh, how exhausting that would be. But ultimately, the way that hormonal physiology works, you know, so we talked a little bit about the psycho psych psychology aspects of this, but the way the hormonal physiology works is that's exactly how it works. It basically works in this sort of cyclical fashion. So, I'm pushing myself to the point of exhaustion. What is happening during that time? 
I'm releasing testosterone, I'm releasing growth hormone, along with cortisol and adrenaline. And then I get back home and I go to sleep. And, you know, I make I make love to, to my lover. I spend time with my bros. And all of a sudden, spending time with my bros, being with my woman lowers the stress hormones. And all of a sudden, the testosterone or growth hormone are there to grow us and promote us. And so I think what a lot of people miss in this whole picture is that, yes, there's a time to push. Yes, there's a time to dig. Yes, there's a time to, you know, be in this very dominant physical sort of place where testosterone is elevated, human growth hormones elevated, adrenaline is high, cortisol is high. But then we need to reconnect at some point with the things that are going to bring those hormones back, those stress hormones back down so we can be in growth again. And this goes to food. This goes to stress. This goes to um, sex and physical affection. And this goes to camaraderie with your brothers. And so to me, there's a lifestyle here that, uh, you know, basically harkens back to what was naturally ours for so long, we didn't even have to think about it. But now we, we, the three of us get to have this discussion and sort of other hunters on the line get to kind of say, oh, I see now what I should be thinking about in regards to my health, that all these pieces are sort of coming into play. So if I really want to use this to my advantage, think about the way all these pieces fit, if that makes sense. And I don't know if that resonates with you guys or not, but to me, the story is clearly written. Well, it makes a lot of sense because being being an outsider and watching hunting season come, watching the fall come, it's literally like watching an animal start. You know, the whole t- the time they go deer hunting is when the males are in the rut, like their necks get really big and they're stupid and they're looking for females and that's when they're not thinking and that's how they get killed, basically, right? And so... It's the same with men, like watching Ryan go and he's not running like for me. He's he's just like it's like it's getting closer, it's getting closer, and you can see him and no, we, my neck, my neck to, starts swelling in August. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we like have this we've talked about this on another podcast where I know as this gets closer, like everything starts getting done around the house. He's so efficient, like I could ask him for three months to do something, and he's like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And bam, like, the week before hunt season starts, everything's done, because now he's like, okay, she's not going to ask me to do anything else, I got to get there. And then he'll go to bed the night before opening season, and his normally his alarm goes off five times on a normal day. He's up an hour before his alarm goes off, he's had three hours of sleep, he's in his truck, he's driving all these hours, and then he's going to hike like ten miles into the backcountry all in one day and you knowing the way hormones work and just what you described you can see it happening in these men where they just become like crazy rutted deer they have to get to the mountain and then they do the process and they come out and and this whole idea of so if you're a wife who doesn't hunt, because there's women who hunt and we know them and they're just like a bro and they'll talk and, you know, it's great. But most of the time it's men and wives of these guys, like we, they come back and it's just the hunt stories and, and it's over and over and over again. You're like, oh my <laughs> gosh, how many times can you tell this story about hiking up a mountain and glassing hey, and looking around? Jade, Jade is saying that's important, right? That's, that's the camaraderie. So <laughs> no, gonna, but what I'm saying is it's like now that you're... Jade under the bus next time. Yeah, exactly. Now that you're explaining it this way, it's all of a sudden like my, my doctor light bulb is going on, right? Like I see that. I can like almost smell it. 
I can like feel it when he's going into that space. And then it's, it's just, it's, it's so classic, right? He gets home, the same thing happens and he's telling those stories and he's doing that. And then as hunting season ends, there's like this end. It's like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do for the next eight months? I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. But that kind of gets them him through the season, and you can see him being healthier for that. Yeah. And yep. I used to resent this. Like, I used to resent this fact that he loved to do this. And I always thought it was like he had a, he didn't love me. He did this for whatever. But now I almost see it like every other man out there. It doesn't have to be hunting, you know, it could be. I don't know, these seasonal things that people do to better their health. It's like, I almost see this as unfortunate for men who don't get that. Like, they yeah. don't get that time to experience that those hormonal rushes and changes. And, again, going back to, you know, Chief Standing Bear and this whole idea of that men are meant for these things. You cannot hold a man in a cage and expect him to be a man. It doesn't work. Yeah, and you know what I'll say about this, my one worry about this whole conversation, and I'd love to hear what you guys think of this. Here's my one worry about this, is that ultimately it is almost impossible for many people listening to this to not begin to bring the Western modern world into encroach into the backcountry, right? And so and we talked about this with the idea to make this, you know, a complete stress detox, uh, you know, a complete toxin detox, a complete metabolic hormonal reset. But you want to, in my mind, one of the things that becomes a problem is that why not, if this is the lifestyle you're living, make it a complete lifestyle? You know, you have to be very careful with, you know, one of the things that we did not have as humans back in the day. When you, when you get to this place where you got testosterone, growth hormone, adrenaline, cortisol, and you burned up all these calories, well, back in the day, you know, they were eating, you know, pounds and pounds of lean protein, right, and, uh, and berries and you know, trying to get, you know, tubers and get some starch in their body and things like that. Nowadays, you can basically go to your local cheesecake factory and consume 4,000, 5,000 calories in one sitting. And your body's primed to do that, in a sense, if you don't be careful with some of what's going on here. And so you'll oftentimes see this happen. And that's where you then have to go back to what is the backcountry telling you, I think. And it essentially tells you this, these are the foods that are going to heal you. I, I don't know if this is true, but I I heard a story of Lewis and Clark that they basically, the, the Indian guys that were with them were eating pounds and pounds and pounds of buffalo along the way just to keep, uh, you know, healthy mm -hmm. and to get the protein and sort of the fats in them and everything else so that they can, they could make this, uh, this journey. And oftentimes, uh, I think this is sort of forgotten. And instead, what people do is they can easily go into cheap, uh, modern day, commodities, which are not going to really help you, uh, if, especially if you're trying to be an athlete. And so some of the things that I would say could work that work for the, the modern day hunter would be things that I'm sure they would have, Lewis and Clark would have had along with them if they were, you know, if they were available back then, things like whey protein and things like, you know, good quality, uh, you know, oils and, and things like that, that would, would help this along, you know, but uh, I, I'm just curious as to, you know, how the hunter, the modern day hunter athlete deals with this, because if they're any like any of the other athletes I deal with, it can become a real issue. And so if you're someone listening to this who's kind of like, well, I can see this, but how come I'm not necessarily seeing and feeling the changes in my body? 
is because you have to follow this story to its, its complete conclusion and try to duplicate what you're doing out in the backcountry for the long weekend or the two weeks and bring that home and duplicate it at home, which is essentially lean, clean proteins, lots of vegetable matter and good quality fats with enough starch to sort of drive your energy stores, but not so much that you end up storing fat and suppressing some of the growth promoting hormones. And so to me, this is the only worry that I have that can happen is that you go out into these excursions and you come back primed to be, you know, a pizza, burger eating, cheesecake factory eating person who basically undoes everything. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> it, it, it'd be very easy to do. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people do kind of fall back into that, um, which is exactly why we're trying to promote, you know, the, all these healthy foods and kind of a, you know, back to basics type lifestyle with the vegetables and, and the lean protein, lean meat and, and all this. So yeah, it, it, it'd be very easy to do. Now I will admit I'll, I, every year when we come down from a hunt, there's always, especially when I'm with my hunt partner, we always do have one like cheat meal, right? And it's always either like a milkshake burger on the way out, but, um, but that's it. <laughs> the rest mm -hmm. of the year we're trying to eat pretty dang clean. But when you come off the mountain and you've just packed out a bowl and you are just completely spent you're skinny, you're, you're just drained, that that swinging by the burger joint on the way out or the pizza place or whatever is like that one stop. We always, we always tend to do that. It's just kind of a habit we have. And then, of course, and you know what, Ryan? I would like say that that is, uh, that is actually beneficial <laughs> in that state. Perfect. Um, That's you know, what I was when it's done for a short period of time, it's actually extremely beneficial. It just can become yeah. detrimental if people don't understand because, I mean, obviously – they were doing that in different ways previously. I have a question for you, though, man, because I'm just I'm curious. As you know, my background, I've kind of been asking you about sort of this and wanting to go back in the backcountry with you. But sure. to what extent do you find uh, fat animals in the you know, when you kill these animals? I mean, how fat are they and when are they when are they at their fattest or are they just so lean that it's crazy? So what it is, you know, um, deer and elk is extremely lean. You know, we. <clears throat> The thing about deer is when we're taking them in the fall, um, and it varies drastically from just early, like September, um, coming into October, they're getting a pretty good healthy layer of fat on their back, but we're trimming that off. And, and it's, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's not similar to beef where it's just kind of, uh, you know, embedded in the meat itself. So we're, we're taking that fat off of the outside and, and we're not using it in, and in, in any way really, except for bear fat. You know, bear fat's one of those things that we will actually use. Um, but as far as deer and elk go, they are extremely lean. Um, and when we're taking them, uh, there's kind of the pre, the, the preseason, which is, set, you know, August, September, we get those animals and then they start really fattening up before the rut. And then of course, during the rut, these bucks are, they're crazy, you know, like we get, and they're just running all this fat <laughs> off. And by, by mid-November, they've got not one ounce of fat on their bodies anywhere. They they're only just have like, one thing on their mind. Yeah, they're just a bag of bones like we are when we come out of the hills. So, <laughs> um, they've lost everything by, by, you know, middle of November, I'd say. And see, the, re the reason I ask is this is interesting for everyone in this conversation. I'm so fascinated by this because my, you know, if you look at, you know, um, research on modern day hunter gatherers and you look at anthropological data, they're essentially, you know, we lived in a very cyclical way. So there were times where there was not a whole lot of fat in our diets and other times where there was, you know, and so 
uh, it's interesting to see that, you know, how these animals change, you know, having me not being someone who's accustomed to it. It's just pretty interesting to hear how that happens. And so I can already tell Ryan and hunters like you would know this. People who understood the backcountry would be having a use for that fat um, that they would probably be putting to use throughout the year and knowing when it was available and knowing when it wasn't going to be available. Well, I tell you, as far as, you know, the only real fat that I utilize a lot, and that's bears. Now, I hunt bears every year in the fall. And these are bears that are just gorging themselves on blueberries. Um, not really a spring bear guy. It's just it's just not something we have the option on doing here in Washington State. But in the fall, these bears get up in these berry fields, you know, up in the high country, and they are just chowing down on blueberries, huckleberries, and they're just putting on all these carbs. and And um, it's some of the best eating meat that I've had. Um, my whole family, all the girls love it. Anybody I feed this meat to, you know, they may be a skeptic going into it. They absolutely love it. I've never had a, a fall bear be be bad, and one of the reasons is is because of the fat that they are just they are just stuffing themselves on those berries, and I'll I'll literally you know find four or five inches of fat on their backs, and a lot of times I'll pull that fat off and I'll utilize it, you know I'll bring it back and render it down and and use it in in certain things, and you know it's just a yeah, and in, you know in, in the in previous days like in this book I was talking about, you know most of the fat they were getting in their diet was from buffalo or wild game or bear, what they, you know, they killed and they were harvesting that fat, or they were getting it, like, the the Northwest natives were getting it from fatty fish, right? Salmon right. Yep. and stuff. Yep. And so I think there's a big trend in fat right now, right? And this, this idea of being ketogenic all the time, which we know isn't sustainable. Being ketogenic all the time is really hard to do, right? But if you think back to these natural cyclic diets, they were eating a lot of high fat when they had it, and then they were going into, and they were they could do ketogenesis easier through that and get through things. And then certain times of the year when they had access to fruits and vegetable, you know, roots and all these kinds of things, they were eating more. You know, their bodies were doing different hormonal activities. I mean, I love this discussion so much because you know, Hillary, you and I, we, we talk a lot about you know metabolism and you know sort of how the metabolism works. The metabolism is changeable and adaptable, and one of the reasons why people suffer metabolic issues is because they keep their diet the same. It's a high carb, high fat diet year in and year out. Plus, they're not moving around like buffalo. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the bottom line is, is that this sort of when you look, when you follow this story to its conclusion, you have all of the hints you need about how the metabolism works. The metabolism changes. And the reason the metabolism changes is because our environment changes. The foods we're eating are changing. The fat content of those foods are changing. The, the foliage is changing. Our metabolism is built to change, built to adapt. And so whenever we create a lifestyle that keeps us doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. For example, the eat less, exercise more approach. You do that for too long, it's going to cause problems. Your metabolism is going to run into issues. Just like if you do the eat more, exercise less approach for too long, your metabolism will be an issue. But you just heard Ryan talk about the idea of, hey, Jay, look, I'm going to eat less, exercise more state in the backcountry, you know, hauling stuff, doing all this. And when I come out of that, I spend a brief amount of time in an eat more, exercise less approach. But then he moves sort of away from that and probably does something different. And so this cyclical approach of spending time in sort of an eat less, exercise less period of time, 
and eat more exercise more period of time and eat less exercise more period of time and eat more exercise less period of time. This is the way that the metabolism actually works and it loves to do this and this is how it stays healthy. Yeah, that was your second book, your your book, uh, Lose Weight Here. You, yeah. you really go into basically fixing your problem areas based on this eat less, exercise less, eat more, exercise more, cycling, and how it, it's, it's hormonal responses and how that changes it. And that's what I really like about it because I think mixing it up is really vital for creating changes. You know, you can't, if you're going to think of yourself as a seasonal as, as a human being, which means we're seasonal, just like the seasons, even though you live like, you know, you live in California, I don't know, your seasons aren't kind of like they are up here. <laughs> you don't have north. snow on the ground like we do today. No, I don't. <laughs> Thank but, God for that. I don't have bears chasing me around either. That either, no. no. <laughs> some cougars down there, but that's about it. But it's this whole idea, right? Is like if we're, se- if we're living seasonal and kind of eating seasonal and if it's winter, you're probably eating more, you know, the goal would be that you're eating more and maybe you're, I think most people eat more and exercise less, right? But wouldn't that be a little bit normal with seasons, just based on the whole idea of, you know, yin yang? Well, I know, like, (laughs) with us having a garden, for example, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, we are eating salads, you know, a couple times a day in the summer when we've got fresh veggies, we got spinach, bok choy, all these, all these greens, our diet definitely changes. You know, we're eating a lot leaner in the summertime versus now. Yeah. You know, we, we have a few more carbs and we still eat a lot of lean protein, but, uh, it, it absolutely changes. We don't have the greens. I, I don't like going to the store and buying, you know, store-bought spinach this time of year. I'd prefer not to. So I, I do tend to find myself eating a lot more protein, um, you know, and, and things not, not so salad related, like I'm so accustomed to in the summer. Yeah. You know, that's going to be in my way of thinking that is going to be beneficial and healthy for the metabolism. It's basically like, what am I, what am I in right now? Am I in fall? Am I in winter? Am I in spring? Am I in summer? And how can I duplicate that? And to me, a, you know, a hunting athlete sort of gets this. So the whole point is, you know, if you're you know listening to this and being like, how can I use this to my advantage, sort of my sport and, you know, sort of this activity, think about taking your time in the backcountry and actually duplicating as much of that as possible year round. Mm-hmm. And I know you guys are doing that, but I would think that this is probably um, the closest thing we can get to a modern day. You know, a lot, there's a lot of talk about, you know, paleo diets and this and this and that. You know, this is the healthiest and probably the closest we can get to the modern day you know, paleolithic uh, lifestyle by using this cycling approach. And especially you two are living this because you are actually, you know, doing it, growing your own food, hunting your own meat. That's, you know, but for those of us who, who can't do that, but are interested in just going out every once in a while, take Ryan and Hillary's approach and essentially say, I can actually duplicate this um, in what I'm doing and what I'm bringing home from the grocery store as well. And it's going to benefit your health dramatically this was really something we wanted to live. We didn't even think about promoting it. It was just the way that we wanted to live. And each year we get older and we have children now at our age, you know, we realize we need to stay young. And so, and I want my, you know, I want, I want my children, I want my daughters to see, you know, kind of how we've lived and, 
And, you know, I think like you mentioned before, there's a lot, a lot of this has been lost. And uh, I think promoting it and, and educating people as to there is another way. It doesn't all have to be what the masses are doing, um, where they're, where they're tending to go with the processed foods. There's an, there's an easier way to do it, a better way to do it. Um, it's not that difficult. And, and we're, that's what we're trying to do is just get some information out there for guys that, that maybe want to, you know, try it the way that we're doing it and, and growing your own food and getting out there and hunting or, you know, at least changing the way that you, uh, you know, you take in animal protein, maybe, maybe look for a, a different type or not the, not the real fatty grain fed cows that that's out there. That's the cheap stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that thought. I, man. I, think, I think you guys are doing amazing stuff. Thanks. I have a question for you, Jade, because you you don't hunt. Um, nope. You're not a hunter. And I've always wondered, like, for guys that don't hunt, is there a piece of you that would want to? I mean, I... Oh, uh, yeah. I, Absolutely. I think I, I had a conversation with Ryan, you know, I don't know, six to nine months ago. We talked, and I think every man sort of... Uh, it's sort of the warrior mentality that I think is kind of bruised down in every man. It, it, there's a sort of a calling. And I think that because uh, it is something that we are not accustomed to, uh, it would, it, it's like we have a fear of it, you know. And one of the things I would like to do is uh, go out and learn just how to, you know, to start, just how to read the environment, to set up camp, to do things that, you know, Ryan would be like, dude. What are you back in kindergarten, Jay? What the hell are you doing? Like this, <laughs> this is the way we do it, you know. But you know, um, it, it would be similar to like people going into the gym with me and learning, you know, powerlifting for the first time or something like that. It's just, right. it's a skill set that we oftentimes take for granted. But yes, from my perspective, this is something that calls to. It's one of those things that is um, a birthright in a sense. We are built. Just like we're built to connect with people, we're built to connect to the land and the environment in which we live. And when you separate that from people, I think there's always sort of a longing to um, get back to that. It either shows up as fear, um, oftentimes of the unknown, but it's there. So whenever someone is either fearful or excited about it, you know there's something very powerful in that. It's, it's sort of like who we are as humans. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> I've noticed just through social media, you know, I get a lot of the younger guys, you know, the, the teeners and the, the guys in their early twenties. And I think it is such a big rite of passage that, um, there's, they're seeing as there's an advantage there, right? They, and that's why I love every year trying to get a guy or two out there that hasn't done it or just hasn't seen it or, or shows just a slight interest in, in seeing what goes on up there. Maybe they're not going to hunt. Maybe they're just going to go out and hang along on a scouting trip or just go for some hikes or just kind of, you know, have a conversation about it and talk about it and, and what advantages we get over it. So it is pretty exciting, you know, getting these younger guys involved. And like I said, I think it is a huge rite of passage. And, and it sure seems like once guys have done it, they get the benefits that I get out of it. You know, they, they, they see it as a, a time to get up there and relax and you come back just totally energized and, and a lot greater respect for nature and the animals that you're actually hunting and, and all this. And it's, it's definitely something that, that I'm pretty, uh, you know, I'm every year it seems like that's, that's one of those things that, you know, I'd love to get a guy like you out there and, and just see what you think, you know, see what you think about going in. It's going to be hard. It's going to be, you know, definitely difficult and something you're not accustomed to. And, and, uh, always, always interested to see, uh, what your opinion or what their opinion would be on something like that once they've actually done it. 
And that, you know, in that what we crave too as humans, are like, you know, to me, it's like while you're in it, you know, there's apprehension and there's probably, you know, it's tough while you're doing it. You come out of that, you know, kind of having grown through that experience. So nothing worthwhile is really easy in that regard. Easy is earned. And so from my perspective, it's something that people should, whenever you have apprehension about something, you know, um, it's something that you have to do, which is one of the things, reasons why I would, I would love, you know, to do that. And I think it's something that, um, I, I have a belief that literally this is, you know, an entire uh, one of these. In, in, it's probably not good for the backcountry, but it's one of these industries that is just, um, you know, can explode because people, you know, it's it's look, people are going to love this way more than going and getting on a roller coaster and eating cotton candy because it basically, <laughs> you know, it's it's exciting. It's yeah. calls to their nature. It's you know, it is it is the original, you know, amusement park. Right. Yeah, it's a challenge. You know, everybody likes a challenge, right? I mean, a lot of us guys, we we love to challenge ourselves. And I think, uh, you know, we all kind of get out out of it what we put into it. You know, the harder the challenge, the more reward we get um, when it's when it's been accomplished. And that's that's what I get out of it. I know, you know, if I put an elk down or a deer down and, you know, I'm not like a big fist bumper or super excited, it, I immediately go into this mode of, you know, here comes the work. Um, it's time to you buckle down and, and get this animal out. And, and I know it's going to suck, but, uh, but I'm going to, I know that that sense of accomplishment I get once I hit, get back to the truck and I drive home, it's, it's hard to describe, you know, you've done something, you've accomplished so much. You've got a ton of meat for the family for the year. And, um, yeah, I, I love it. And I think, I think a lot of guys that, that get into it or haven't tried it, they would get the same thing out of it. You know, I'll say one more thing about this, which I think is really interesting, you know, just, a, you know, uh, as an aside here, and, you know, I do think it's powerful. But you ever meet someone that has, like, just crazy charisma, like everyone's just, you know, sort of, they don't even have to say a word. And I bet you, Ryan, this is you. You're, you know, it's like you don't have to say anything. You don't have to talk to anyone. You're probably introverted in the back of the room. Yeah. Everyone notices you. There's this presence about you. There's this power about you and there's this warmth about you which are the components of charisma you know presence power and warmth as men one of the things that we crave more than anything uh is the power component uh women tend to do a little bit better on the warmth component than us you know so we each sort of have our strengths in this and that power component comes from exactly what you were talking about the ability to see something be a slightly intimidated by it know that it's going to take all your effort, accomplish it, and then take a look back and be like, wow, I had, I, I, and see your own power and sort of look that, at yourself yeah. from outside looking in. That's what creates, uh, you know, sort of this charismatic effect that I think is missing in so many men. And so again, I go to this place like, you know, anybody who's trying to build charisma and the power component of that, this is one of those things that you can be doing. But uh, training, working out with weights is another one. You know, but it was just an interesting aside for me to kind of hear you say that, because I think uh, if nothing else, people miss this idea. And this is why they don't feel power, powerful in other aspects of their life or ineffective in other aspects of their life, because there is some rollover. Right. Have you ever, Jade, do you ever watch Survivor? Uh, well, well, I watched it. Is that, so, is that show still on? I think oh I watched gosh, that like 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> we, we, we don't really have TV. We don't have cable, but we can yeah. watch it on Hulu or whatever. It's the one show we watch with our daughter because she loves it. There's all these challenges, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the funny thing about Survivor is for years, people would be like, Ryan, you need to get on Survivor. You totally win. 
And we're like, you, Ryan would be picked off so fast because they always vote off the strong alpha male who wins yeah. all the challenges and builds all the fires and builds their shelter and catches all their fish and gets all their coconuts yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and wins and stands in the back and doesn't say anything and they always vote him off because nobody wants that guy around because that guy deserves a million dollars. And it's weird, you know, that when you get people together in that kind of environment where they're now competing with each other, the overall thought is to have that guy around, we really need that guy. Actually, none of us will survive or eat for the next 40 days if we don't have that guy around. Like, we're going to shrivel up and die without that guy. And they know that. They'll say that. Like, if I vote Ryan off, I will starve to death. But Ryan will win the million dollars. So we but have Ryan's to get got rid to go. of him yeah. first. Get rid of him first. And we sit there going, that is so stupid. You're going to be starving. I know. I, I always, that guy. It's funny. Every single show, I don't know how many episodes. There's got to be. 15 years. 15 years. Yeah, there's got to be like 40 seasons or something like that. And uh, <laughs> every year, it's like the one guy I end up rooting for is the guy that caught the fish or the guy that was able to start the fire and inevitably i'm always wrong because that guy always gets booted but always get week, we're watching it and and there's a guy it's like a season where these are all second chancers so people that basically lost the million dollars before and they got voted to come back there's like this guy who's not the alpha male he can't even throw a ring like he's just he's not very good at doing man stuff let's put it that way he he's crying that he needs to vote Joe off, and Joe is the alpha alpha male, and he is basically keeping those people alive. He's the <laughs> nicest guy around. He looks amazing. He wins every challenge. You just want to have him as your, like, brother or husband or whatever. And this yeah. other guy is crying because he's, last time I didn't vote off that alpha male, and I lost <laughs> to him. i got to vote him off. And Ryan's like, is he crying over this? And I'm like, he's obviously this is so really funny. torn up. You want to know my thought on this, man? This is, so, <laughs> yeah. this is, this is what humans, here's the problem with humans. Uh, confidence is inspiring to confident people. And threatening as hell to insecure people. And so someone like Orion is going to be absolutely adored and admired and loved and also simultaneously hated. <laughs> because so if you're an insecure person, you are threatened by that kind of power. Oh, man. Yeah. That's and crazy. Ryan would never like even get into this conversation normally, but I But now it's here and he has to be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. he, he has to be. But it's it's true and, and he'll say to me, What's wrong with that dude? Like who raised that guy? And I'm like, Honey, it's just well, a TV show. But you oh, know what just, he's really saying is like this guy needs uh, to like pick himself up out of like where he's at and get on with it and throw like throw a ball like a man, you know? And I was <laughs> a woman and here's the deal. Well, I just I just can't ever support a guy who is just so I mean I'll say it wimpy that he can't do anything he can't chop down a tree he can't build a fire or keep a fire going or cook or catch <laughs> a fish I was like I could never support that guy so I'm definitely not going now man I'm not going on this trip with you. <laughs> <laughs> well here's the thing, though, right he's the wimpiest dude on the planet the hell's wrong with this guy. <laughs> I think I think you'd have no problem taking a tree down, Jay. I'm pretty sure you'd probably just snap it. Like, Jay, this, uh, you stay here. I'm going to get the bear. You chop the tree. I'd be like, no problem. 
if Ryan insults this guy who's crying because he didn't vote the alpha male off, my initial reaction as a woman, well, you need to think about other people's feelings. Like, don't make fun of him. My initial reaction is to do that, right? And Ryan's looking at me like, are you kidding me? Would you want to date that guy? And I'm thinking, no, not really. But that you should really, like, not talk about him like that. And he says, you know, his thought is, listen, if somebody doesn't give this guy some direction into this manhood thing, he's not going to win, right? Like, he's not going to be. And this guy could be a millionaire. We don't know. He could have, like, a multi-million dollar business somewhere. But we know he's not, like throwing balls for a living. Well, that guy was like, going back to the beginning, that guy was not initiated, I guess, into manhood in the right way. I can just tell you that much. But but this whole thing I've had to come through about men and my husband, because he's very unique in that aspect, is that he's not going to apologize for being a man. And I think that's where I feel like this initiation process and men not being able to, you know... It's it's hard to explain, but do you know what I'm trying to get at here? Where I t- look, I totally I do I do high end coaching with uh you know with you know people who who we would probably all know by name and you know CEOs and and things like that. And I can tell you one of the things that men struggle with, and you know this is for the, the women listening, and we'll see what Ryan has to say about this, but. It's this idea of vulnerability. I mean, I've read all Brene Brown's books. I love all her stuff. But a vulnerable man, you know, is sort of this mixed bag because on the one hand, everyone says, oh, be vulnerable and this and that. But as soon as a man does that for any length of time, he's basically branded a pussy. You know, he's basically yeah. said, you know, you're you are not a strong man. So for men, you know, a better term is probably remaining open. You know, someone what the, the essence of a man is someone who. If you want to talk about my feelings, then ask me about it. I'll mention it a few times. I'm not going to go over it and over it and over it and over it with you. And it's not something I need to do because it keeps me from my directed focus on what I'm trying to do. Now, I'll remain open, but I don't know that anyone, uh, you know, sort of wants a man who's talking about his feelings over and over and over and over and over again. Right. You know, what we want is a man who can do that, a man who can be powerful and say, look, this is the way I feel on it, but not bring it up again and again and again and blame and complain. You know, part of the essence of man is getting shit done, you know, and that's, that's part of what, uh, you know, being a masculine presence in the world is all about. So that's sort of my take on that from the life coaching stuff that I do. Vulnerability has its place. It's a little bit more tricky for a man to manage. I couldn't agree more, man. <laughs> I listen to it, I'm like, yes, finally, yeah, somebody's saying it. <laughs> and by the way, I love. I mean, anyone should go read all Brene Brown's books. They're they're fascinating. I just don't think she has this, the appreciation of what the male struggle is. Like, you know, that's just not. Uh, you know, we're not we're not really appreciated for you know sort of our strengths as much anymore, which you know. It's, it's sort of tough. But. And I think in the modern culture, like I said, you know, me having to also learn about this a lot and learning biochemistry, understanding hormones, understanding the definitely just even the hormonal difference between men and women and how we, our brains function. I, I do feel that sometimes men, they are expected to be everything and nothing. Like they're expected to have emotions all the time. They're expected to be a man all the time. They're expected to provide. They're expected to be 
you know, there all the time for you and da, 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 da. But at the same time, you know, they're get everything done, get, get everything done, but we're not really helping. We're not really promoting men to exhibit their manlyhood in a way that's positive. Yeah, James Hollis puts it this way. You guys be interested. Here's what James Hollis says, and I thought this was a fascinating take on this. He said, you know, women have, have been uh, physically oppressed for, you know, decades and generations and thousands of years. Right. Men in the modern era have been psychologically repressed and oppressed because they're, they're basically putting a, put in a box that does not sort of fit them. So, at, you know, we're, we're starting to see now that obviously women are taking their power fully as it should be. Mm-hmm. And what we don't want to have happen in the process is for men to lose theirs. You know, so just because we've had this very wrong and sort of offensive uh, sort of dichotomy between men and women for so many you know, decades and thousands of years doesn't mean that as women take their power, men should be losing theirs. It's just let women take their powerful place alongside powerful men and let's not bring powerful men down in the process. Uh, that's that's what I meant to say right there. Yeah, no, that's what perfect. He says. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so talking about powerful men, can you give us just a few takeaways on, because I know you have this testosterone program, this online program, and we really want to kind of help promote that to our community. And could you give us a little bit of background on that? And then maybe some things that our listeners can maybe walk, some easy things our listeners can walk away with today uh, to help to help their testosterone. I know we've touched on yep. a bunch of different reasons, but maybe just kind of. A I know synopsis. I'm going to go chop some wood right after this conversation. <laughs> and actually, that's, that's a good segue into this because that's exactly how you want to think about this. Think about everything we just talked about. The natural way of living is a very testosterone dominated sort of approach. What we want to do with testosterone is we want to essentially have periods of times where we are pushing, grinding, directed, chopping down trees, you know, um, shoveling dirt, hunting in the backcountry, pushing around weight, doing things that are very powerful in their sort of outward sort of appearance, uh, lifting, hunting, moving, running, chopping, all of these kinds of things. Uh, then what we want to also be doing is we want to essentially be coming back and doing a very supportive diet that keeps us from, to keep that testosterone level high, but the stress hormones lower. And so this means good quality protein, uh, fats when they're appropriate, enough starch, but not too much. And so the way to think about this is to think about you know, bison or chicken or, uh, you know, uh, beef or salmon or some type of protein source with plenty of vegetables and then enough fat or starch to go along with this. One hint I'll give you guys, especially you backcountry guys, is whey protein is one of those processed foods that probably is a godsend for you all in terms of being able to give you a lot of what good quality meat will do. And one of the things that good quality proteins have is branched chain amino acids. Um, These are the things that keep your immune system up, suppress hunger, make sure you're not losing muscle out there in the back country. Whey protein is probably the closest to that versus good quality meat. And so making sure you combine that. And then taking this aspect of when you are out of those things, you are essentially reconnecting with your bros and reconnecting with your lover and basically lowering stress hormones on top of that. Now, this is the lifestyle. Now, if you're not in the backcountry, I'll just give you a one, two, three of this. 
It's basically lift weights, move a lot, walking and gardening and chopping and all that kind of stuff. Eat a sensible diet that is rich in protein and vegetable matter with enough fat and sugar and starch, but not too much. That is essentially the lifestyle. And then uh, after that, there's a few things I can give you and then I can sort of wrap it up for you in terms of what about supplements and things like that. The truth of the matter is no supplement is going to do anything that the, that spending time, that trying to duplicate the backcountry in your lifestyle will do. Not just when you're out in the backcountry. Duplicate that lifestyle uh, throughout the year uh, in a cyclical fashion. No supplement is going to be able to replace that. So you need that in place. Then once you have that in place, add in you know a whey protein supplement is probably going to be a good thing uh, to do. And then certainly there is a place and a time for testosterone replacement therapy for uh, guys who are not able to get their testosterone back due to poor lifestyle or due to age. And that's something that this program, uh, you know, talks about. But the truth of the matter is everything we just talked about is a testosterone enhancing lifestyle without even trying. So my question real quick, say, say you do get tested and you, you realize that your testosterone is on the low range. Mm-hmm. How long does it take? Like if you do get to the lifestyle that you just alluded to, um, with, with a healthy diet and getting out and getting these activities done and, you know, hunting or chopping or all this, how long does it take to actually, would it take to get those numbers back up to within the range of, of health? Yeah, easily. I can give you a really easy answer because I've done this so often. It's about a three month time period. Okay. You're going to see a turnaround. Uh, you know, so it happens. Uh, very, very quickly, uh, you'll see a sustained turnaround in about a three-month period of time. And what will come along with this, by the way, is one easy trick for you guys listening. Measure your waist circumference. And if your waist circumference is over over 40 inches, I can already tell you your testosterone is probably in the toilet. If your testosterone is between, if your waist is between like 35 and 40, you might be on the borderline. Typically, once your waist gets down below 35, you're going to be in an optimal testosterone zone. And then if it starts getting lower than that, depending on your size, you'll start seeing testosterone go in the toilet again. So there's this, there, there's this Goldilocks effect. Too thin, too lean, too underfed and overworked, testosterone goes in the toilet. Too overfed, too fat, too, uh, you know, sort of sitting on the couch, testosterone goes in the toilet. So, what will happen is this natural lifestyle after about three months should regulate that. And the best way to look at this is the the cha- the west the sorry the waist to chest measurement should be if you measure your waist and then you measure your chest around with the underarms right just like they would do if they're measuring a suit not shoulder width but if you do the chest to waist measurement that measurement should be below 0.8. And if it's a, if it's above that, you're probably someone who's having testosterone issues. So that's a really quick way to measure this through this three month period to see if this is turning around. And by the way, guys, women in attraction research uh, across the board, across cultures, women who see a man with a waist to chest ratio of 0.8 or less are pretty much, uh, you know, um, sexually attracted to that physique. Anytime it goes above that the man becomes less attractive. And for you women who are listening, the hourglass shape is your, your, uh, your barometer. It's um, chest, waist, and hips. Right, but right. this is how to kind of think about, am I moving in the right direction here? 
Got well, it. I have a question too about women. So <clears throat> women have testosterone. We just mm-hmm. don't have as much, obviously, as men. Just like men have estrogen, they don't have as much as women. What do these same activities improve testosterone in, let's say, women or post, like menopausal, postmenopausal women? Because uh, we know those naturally go down in women as well, and that testosterone is important in women for uh, libido and. Yeah, it gets really complicated for you women, but I'll I'll give you the complicated story. Think about it like this. When a woman is under stress, first thing that happens is stress hormones, cortisol goes up. They get a little bit more of a human growth hormone kick than men do. And when chronic stress kicks in, actually you'll see in women that they have cortisol high, adrenaline high, progesterone low, and testosterone high, actually. And so testosterone is not a hormone that women really want to be um, very high, but they don't want it low either. And here's what ends up happening with women. They, the same things that Ryan is getting, you know, when he goes out and he gets this testosterone kick, women's testosterone is actually estrogen. Uh, women actually, estrogen works a lot like, uh, female testosterone. And when estrogen is combined with human growth hormone in women, that's really what we want. So you, you really don't want to think much about testosterone being super advantageous. For women, unless they're low in menopause, what women, what produces this healthy uh, effect in women is actually the combination of estrogen with human growth hormone. And yes, all the activities we just talked about duplicate that hormonal effect in women. So for men, it's testosterone. For women, it's estrogen combined with human growth hormone. And for you women, you might not know this, but you get a little bit more of a human growth hormone kick than men do from exercise. And that's the advantage. That's the that's the thing that'll keep you lean and tight and keep that hourglass shape. Hmm. I, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think the hormone picture, I've, I've read your books and I've just marked up lose weight here like everywhere because I'm, <laughs> I'm a physician too. But you know, if you, if you're not constantly learning about these things, as you know, you're a biochemistry major, right? Biochemistry changes like all the time. Like, I mean, physiology, we're always finding new things out and it's kind of the same with hormones, right? Like we never, you never talked really much about like digestive hormones, and uh, nope. now it's like oh, there's so many new hormones we've discovered that are influencing other hormones and and uh, impacting so many other things, and it's just it's really really interesting. And and I would be completely blind, like you know, I'm, you know, it's funny how we all have our expertise, right? I know nothing now about herbal therapies. You know, you're the person I'm going to call to be like, Hillary, what the hell I use this for? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like uh, it's very different in our in all of our expertise. But the hormonal approach to to this is really about lifestyle, and you can do a lot with it. Right. Well, I want to ask you one more question, kind of on this same line. So, so that testosterone information and the waist to chest ratio for men and kind of measuring those those parameters what about like in your first book the metabolic effect diet you talk about body types and the way different people well there's you have three different types you have a sugar burner a muscle burner and then a mixed burner and i'm wondering if you could just give us just a little bit of a tidbit on those and how that's going to also affect the way that you're able to change these hormones like, yeah, absolutely. We, we all have certain tendencies in terms of the best way to think about this is, you know, um, some people, right, you get stressed out, you, you someone pass away in the family, you go through a breakup, or you have stress at work. Some people, their, their uh, 
appetite shuts off, right? And other people just want to, you know, go eat pints of Ben and Jerry's all day long. This gives you an idea of the difference between how stress hormones impact us. The person who doesn't want to eat is more of a stress hormone driven person and their stress hormones are breaking down fat and protein on their body. We call those muscle burners to feed them. So they're not that hungry. The other person, which is more of a sugar burner, requires calories and sugar during that stressful process. And so they're going to seek those foods out. So some people sort of eat to live and some people live to eat. And this has a, an a, uh, a, uh, important component in, in our health care. Now, the reality of the situation is we are all, there's infinite types of people. These three types that we talk about, sort of the muscle burner and the sugar burner and the person who lies in between, it's just that you can take these types and be like, oh, Jay, I get you. I'm more of an eat to live person. And, you know, I need to eat when I'm under stress. Oh, and Jade, I'm more of a, you know, um, live to eat person. Uh, you know, I get stressed out and I don't want to eat. Well, if we take these things, this is just giving you a place to start. So the person who's impacted by stress negatively needs to do a lot of things that reduce stress. Getting out in the backcountry, walking, hanging out in green settings, sleeping, sex and physical affection, uh, massage and meditation. The person who is more of the food-driven person needs to watch their lifestyle in terms of, I need to reduce my calorie intake, watch my carb intake, and this kind of stuff. And this tells you really quickly, on, you know, should I be following a paleo diet or should I be following a, a meditation program, right? And so once we have these beginning places, then we can begin um, being a metabolic detective and finding our unique place. And so depending on what Ryan might be or what I might be or what you might be, Hillary, we start there and then we say, okay, based on that, I will start with that base diet or that base program. And then I will adjust and tweak and figure out my unique metabolic type. So there's not three metabolic types. There's infinite metabolic types, but these three metabolic types can get you headed in the right direction so you can figure yours out. Interesting. Yeah, I know <clears throat> Hillary has told me that I'm a sugar burner, so I never knew exactly why, but... Uh... Well, he... Uh, so just the way we, like, gain or lose weight. So I... You know me, Jade. I'm very stress hormone driven. I, um, so your sister-in-law, Dr. Jillian Tita, she was... She did a podcast with us. She's our digestive expert, and she's one of my best friends, right? She's your sister-in-law. Yep. And eight, 10 years ago when I got out of medical school, I was stressed out. I lost a ton of weight. My, I'm not the typical person, so I get skinny when I get stressed out, right? I get People are like, are you eating? And I'm eating. I'm just skinny. And uh, she's like, you, you're a muscle burner, and you need to start doing this. So she gave me the metabolic effect diet. She, you know, all I, I utilized that diet. I ended up getting pregnant. Because it wasn't easy for me to even get pregnant, right? Because I was running on stress hormones all the time. And uh, so that helped. But I'm still kind of like that. I fall back into that pattern. My tendency would be not to eat. I like breakfast. I'll eat breakfast. I'll always eat some breakfast. But I could go the whole day and not eat, right? And then uh, if I get stressed out or I have an emotional thing in my life, I don't want to eat. I don't have hunger. I don't have the desire to eat. Um and I get very jittery. So some days I can drink coffee and I feel fine. Some days I drink coffee. Holy cow. I'm like, did I just shoot myself up with a bunch of like <laughs> methamphetamine? It's really bad, right? Ryan and, and I get really lean, really skinny. And Ryan's always like, you just like go to the gym for a week and you look like a muscle model. Oh, dude, she... And I'm like, well, 
And my brother's the same way. He was an Olympic athlete. He hasn't worked out. I don't think my brother's worked out in like 15 years. Yeah, the guy's <laughs> he really does. He looks like he just got off, you know, he just finished like an Olympic ride. Yeah. And we just genetically have that. Yeah, he'll, he'll had a baby and then decided, I'm going to put in a few months of hard work in the gym and then just go do this bikini contest. <laughs> And uh, she did awesome at it. She she gained all this muscle, and I mean, it was incredible the transformation she did. But you know that. what I did is I had to I had to increase my food, so I had to eat like five times a day, right? Yeah. And not big meals, but I had to like feed my metabolism. It's that same idea of the bodybuilding thing, right? I started lifting heavy things instead of a tendency. I'd go out, I'd be stressed out. I want to go run. I want to go do some cardio. Right? Yeah. It's like, yep. don't do that, girlfriend. You're gonna like waste away if you go do a bunch of cardio. So I started lifting heavy things. I started eating. I that all that naturally decreased my stress hormone. I was able to gain muscle and my brain worked better. Like I felt so clear in my head. And but that's kind of how I am as a person. I've always been like that. I'm very driven, I'm very type A. Ryan goes crazy with me. We've talked about this before. I have a thousand ideas a second. And he's like, stop. No more ideas. I can't take this anymore. <laughs> One idea at a time. Stop. No more ideas. Oh, too much. He, he will like... literally be like, I don't know what you're talking about right now, but we were just talking about well, something else. It's Ooh, so bad. We it's like back? we'll be in the middle of a project, like trying to focus <laughs> on something. And then she like hits me with three or four side <laughs> ideas that would take us down this rabbit hole a completely different direction. I'm like, come on, we got, okay. let's focus. So you guys are perfect for each other, so man. You are like totally balance each other out. We are literally, our birthdays too, we are exact opposites. I'm born in March, he's born in October. So we are like exact opposites, okay? I love it. Okay, so here's Ryan. He loves exercise. He loves outdoors. He has to be active. But if I gave, if he quit being active and he didn't have these outlets, his tendency would be to sit on the couch and watch Survivor all day <laughs> with a bag of chips, maybe two bag of chips, and then a bag of, you know, a, a container of salsa, a bag of chips, then half of a steak, and then, like, I mean, that's, if, if he was just a lazy, that's what he would be doing. So what he does is the minute he starts eating too many carbohydrates, he gets a little spare tire around the middle. Now, he's really lean. His legs are lean and his upper body's lean, but he gets that thing around the middle, right? His mind well, gets slower. He happens. doesn't, he's not, he's not going, he doesn't have a million ideas a minute. It's more like one idea an hour. He kind of, he's just slower. <laughs> he's slower. And he, and like he, so he's not running on those stress hormones all the time. But what will happen too with him is like his work is really stressful but he'll let it build up. Like problems will build up, build up. He'll never communicate it. He's super trustworthy. Build up, build up. And then he'll just like explode one day, right? That's kind of how Ryan works. So we're very different. So he's that sugar burner. Like he wants to consume, right? And and he doesn't really understand excessive stress hormone. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. understand like, what do you mean coffee gives you jitters? Like, I don't get that, you know? Um, well, I'm on my third cup this morning, and, and I feel fine. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like you, Ryan. Keone, and my brother, Keone, who's married to uh, Dr. Jillian Tita, uh, he he is uh, like Hillary. He's, he's like totally a, he's like a, me. 
Yeah, he's totally like you. He's a fast, he's a slow oxidizer of caffeine, a muscle burn. I'm like you, dude. It's like I can I can drink espresso right before I go to bed and no, be fine. Me too, man. I'm I'm with you, and I will sometimes. It's just probably not the best thing to do. So yeah. we find that if we have this lifestyle where we're eating, even if we're eating the same things, but like me, I need to eat a little more consistently, right? I need to force myself to lift heavier things and not do as much cardiovascular or more stress on my body exercise. He does better with more cardio, right? And he does better with a little less carbohydrate. But if we kind of balance that in our lifestyle, what we're eating and our outdoor activity, then we can keep it pretty balanced. When we get out of balance, you see these two dichotomies show up. And that's why I love your book, because now I can look at a patient, look at their body type, look at how they're, you know, what they're eating, what their problems are, and kind of go, oh, yeah, you know, it's really, really interesting. I recommend everybody to read that book, The Metabolic Effect Diet. That's sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, you have a lot of programs on your website, uh, and we, you know, obviously want to help promote those. We, the Testosterone Project, we're going to be sharing that on our website. So, folks out there who are interested in learning, diving deep into the biochemistry and kind of what testosterone is doing for you, and then how to help it. That's what that program's for. Um, yeah, that's the one I think is probably your people are going to be most uh, interesting interested in it's testosterone is one of those things for men that is it does everything you know it, it really is and it, it, it makes men you know it's the, it's the winning hormone us men are we oftentimes get a bad rap but we need to be feeling like we are achieving and winning it's yeah. kind of like what and that's what testosterone does and the goldilocks effect of hormones is oftentimes very very difficult to get a hold of and so that's what this particular program teaches you and you know, as we age, as we men age, you know, um, we are uh, in a position where testosterone levels are falling, even in very healthy guys sometimes. And we're not exactly sure why that's happening. And so this program kind of tells you how to manage it. And if you're going to be considering testosterone replacement therapy, uh, you know, this is something that you might want to consider. And this goes into, you know, probably the men's worst nightmare as men age, oftentimes they'll start running into lack of erection, inability to get an erection, lack of strong erections. This is oftentimes a testosterone effect, and this is the thing that's usually going to get guys sort of looking at this. And the thing I'd say with that is that, you know, this is something that is, uh, you know, that will obviously freak men out and is something that is relatively commonplace in testosterone management and sort of understanding where your testosterone levels are typically dealt with through lifestyle, actually. You don't normally need to go on TRT. But if you do, this program will help you with that as well. So, Wow. Cool. This has been a very enlightening talk. I love you guys. You're just both genius, and I, I could do this all day. Well, yeah, and I look forward to you, uh, one of these years, Jay, getting you up here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna drag you back into the back country and it, and show you what you've been missing. But uh, I'm I'm ready, bro. You better be ready for me, man. Let's bring some donuts back there. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know, donuts are two sugar burners. That might not be exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, he'll, he'll he'll come back, Hillary, and be like, I left Jay in the mountain. He had an insulin coma, and I couldn't pull him out. <laughs> 
Yeah, you'll be like, where is my Four Seasons hotel room and my room service? Exactly. And I'm the kind of like, person that after three days out there, I'm going to be like, yo, man, I'm going to Four Seasons. I'll meet you there. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, it's only 10 miles out, Jade. It's going to be a little work to get out of here. So have Yeah, good luck, Jade. Well, why don't you we'll – have, we'll have somebody videotape it and we'll just – Jade, you have to make sure that when you're on there and you're talking, you'll be like crying. Oh, I should have never listened to the alpha male and done this <laughs> oh, horrible Look, thing. I'm totally voting him off as soon as I get the chance. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, um, we'll definitely need to have you on again because there's lots of topics that we could talk about with you. But uh, we appreciate you doing this for us. We know you're a busy guy. You're in high demand. You're traveling the world. Day, and you guys. totally made my day. Thank stuff. you. So. Um, and I'm going to send you that book. I think you'd really like it. It's a, uh, it's actually a signed book from 1933. So, uh, you would like reading that about the old ways. And, oh, hell yeah. I would. Uh, okay. Well, man, really appreciate you, Jade. Thanks for doing this with us. You as well, my brother. So much love for you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye. Hey folks. Thanks for listening to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit our website at huntharvesthealth.com for more podcast stories and recipes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hunt Harvest Health. You can also message me at stahealthyhunter, that's S-T-H, and I will be more than happy to answer any questions you might have. Also tag your photos, Hunt Harvest Health, or get stealthy as we enjoy seeing what you guys are doing as well.